Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I actually feel very strongly about forgiving the guy who killed Martin and the others. That's just my personal decision and... On the 22nd of May 2017, news about a bombing during an Ariana Grande concert in the Manchester Arena spread around the world. The terrorist attack claimed the lives of 22 innocent people and the communal grief can still be felt around the city today. This week, we are very lucky to be joined by Figgin Murray, whose son, Martin Hett, was one of the people that died that night. And Figgin has gone on to do really what can only be described as remarkable things in the name of her son. Not only has she found a way to forgive, which seems unimaginable, but she has, but she's also gone on to educate herself and others about the dangers of how people can become radicalized online and what led to such an awful, traumatic course of events in Manchester. You might notice that the connection is a little bit patchy. Um, Figgin was in between lectures and she still found the time to talk to us about her son and about what she's studying and what she's putting out there in the world. So um, here's our chat. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on today and talk to us. First of all, I just want to say how sorry I am that you lost your son. Thank you you know, how deeply sad I felt for you when I read about your story and about him. Can you tell us, we usually start the podcast with just trying to find out a little bit more about the person who you loved so much and lost. Can you tell us about Martin? Oh, gosh, Martin, how can I describe him? He was a lot a minute. He loved life. He was always joking. I was quite often the butt of his jokes. <laughs> but in a loving way, you know, yeah. he sort of pulled my legs sort of um because I was an easy target for him as his mum. Mm. Um, he he lived life in a very fast way. His diary was constantly full. In fact, a lot of his friends were moaning that they have to make an appointment to even spend time with him. <laughs> he was so popular. So he, he lived life 100 miles an hour, really. You know, yeah. I don't know where he got the energy from. Do you think that was his personality from day one, from when he was a little child? Totally, yeah. He was always out of all of my children, the one who got into mischief. There is, um, I, I go to schools and talk talk about the radicalization and, and the dangers of online radicalization. And I always obviously introduced Martin to them. And I showed him a photo of him when he was four years old inside a uh, an A-shaped ladder yeah. and tell them the story that actually 
that morning, aged four, he found not just a pair of scissors and cut his fringe in a really strange way. Um, and it's very obvious on the photo because it sort of like goes from left to right, right up. And um, he's got a bald forehead almost. And um, uh, the ladders that he was leaning on, they had to be cut into four pieces that day because he got himself trapped in them oh, to the point where I had to ring the fire brigade and they oh, couldn't no. get him out. Uh, and between eight firemen, they had to get some heavy cutting gear and literally cut him free of the ladder. That's the sort of thing he'd do. Or in another time when he was about seven, eight, he'd bring a whole, he'd swing on lampposts in a seaside resort in Turkey. And there was a damaged lampshade and we told him not to swing on that. But by the time we told him that, he'd already been swinging <laughs> on it. And literally, it landed in oh, the sand. We could see it go down and down and down. And as soon as it landed in the sand, the entire seaside resort went section by section into total darkness. So he'd always, out of all of my kids, he'd always do something like that. Um, he <laughs> it was sounds just fun. Yeah. Very chaotic. Because of, I suppose, the circumstances surrounding his death and also his online personality, you know, some mm-hmm. people in the news know, you know, a lot of people would know about the circumstances that led up to the day that he passed away. Can you talk me through a little bit about that day? Because I think it's really important for other families who maybe have experienced something like this and they don't have a lot of people around them because there aren't that many people in the world who have experienced something like that, um, that they don't have other people who they can kind of like talk to or hear their experience. What was Mm -hmm. that day like for you? Well, I I was working as a psychotherapist in private practice and I was actually, I've been seeing clients all day and I had a heavy workload, so I had a bit of a headache and said to my husband that night, I'm off to bed early. So I went to bed at 10 and uh, one of my daughters came in my bedroom at about 10 to 11 and was messing with my phone, so that woke me up and I said, what are you doing? And she said, nothing, Mum, sorry, I'm just checking if there's a message of Martin. And um, and then I realised, you know, and so we were, we were saying, well, you know, what what's happened? Is he not at home? And she said, no, he's gone to a gig, and his friends are trying to find him. They lost him, mm-hmm. um, and I kind of couldn't understand why they wouldn't find him. And then eventually, tentatively, she finally said, "Mum, there's been an explosion," and then obviously I ran down and watched the news with her. And about quarter past 11, less than an hour after he died, turned around to her and said, look, he's dead. Mm-hmm. And she said, mum, don't say that. And I said, I, I just know because it's like somebody's taking this giant pair of scissors and just cut off mm-hmm. any presence of him. I said to her, look, it feels like he's suddenly gone. He's not here. In fact, it doesn't even feel like he's on the planet anymore. He's gone, I'm telling you. And obviously, true enough, the day after we found out that he was one of the people who passed away. Oh, I'm um, so sorry. It, call it mum's intuition. Yeah. I don't know what it was, but I just absolutely knew there was suddenly no feeling whatsoever, no sense of him whatsoever. It was quite weird. I mean, as you say, as a mother myself, I think I know what you're talking about, that somehow there's a connection that's really hard to explain. Mm. Um, yeah. And that somehow you knew you knew that he wasn't safe and that he was no longer here. When you are faced with grief in that kind of way where there's 
there is someone to blame. A lot of times with grief, people don't know who to blame or they don't have anyone to blame or they're blaming cancer or they're blaming, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a natural disaster. But when you have someone to blame, what was the process yeah. like for you in that initial time? It's really strange to hear somebody say that there's somebody to blame. I, I'm actually taking this phone call from university because I've started at the age of 59 going back to university to do a master's in counterterrorism to try and understand how this is even happening in the world, how terrorism even is such a thing. Mm. Uh, because until Martin Dada didn't have anything to do with bad, bad things like that, you know. Yeah. So, um, but to me, right from the start, I think it was three days after it happened, somebody kept buying newspapers and piling them on the dining room table. And on day three, I happened to go past the newspaper stack and saw the photo of the perpetrator. Mm-hmm. And obviously he killed himself in the suicide bombing attack. So I knew he was dead. But I looked at the photo and froze because I thought, oh, my God, you're so, so young. You're just a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he was only about 22 or 23. And I thought, what do you know about life? And how could you have known what you're doing, doing something foolish, like throwing your own life away? and that of other people. And then three weeks later, there was the Finsbury Mosque attack in London. And the, again, there was on the front page of the newspaper, a picture of five Muslim men trying to protect the perpetrator, who was mm. a, a right-wing extremist. And again, when I saw that picture, I thought, well, actually, people can decide how they respond to a situation. They can either go really angry or they can be doing what is, in my opinion, the right thing, humanely the right thing to do. And that those two pictures together made me just feel very strongly that I actually nas- want to go on national TV and forgive the guy publicly, mm. which is exactly what I have done. And um, I actually um, feel very strongly about forgiving the guy who killed Martin and the others. That's just my personal decision. Um I'm not expecting anyone else to forgive, but I feel that one of the reasons I'm doing the course is also to understand whether we, you know, I want to know whether we have actually all taken part in creating these monsters mm. as a society. So it's sort of maybe it's a bit deepest, but it just happens to be how I feel. Using the word inspiring actually seems small to me um, because it's a lot more than that. Um, it is brave and it is very real and it is probably going to help a lot of people that seeing that you're doing this because it's a challenging maybe some of the ways we think about these things and a lot of mm-hmm. wars and a lot of people have died in the name of these kinds of things um, yeah yeah but you see it's very easy to say oh he did this he did that and they do this and they do that but you know in my view um and and, and i really have to pull all my resources from very deep inside me, but I, I feel very strongly we need to look at all the layers that, that um, are underneath it. Um, people don't do things for no reason, and I need to understand what the underlying issues even are that this sort of thing even happens in society these days. Mm. It can't just be a simple answer, somebody just popping on a rucksack and doing what, what it, it can't be that simple. There's got to be other reasons. And I, for one, I'm trying to look at the really big picture, which is why I'm going to university to learn about the very big picture. Um, so 
can't bring my son back, but at least it will give me that clarity of mind and uh, the understanding of why it all happened, why, why it all went so terribly wrong. Of course. And that, I mean, I think knowledge and informing yourself and trying to learn from something, the unimaginable when losing a child. Do you think in some ways, because the perpetrator was younger than Martin, but not by a mm-hmm. lot. Yes. They were really only a few years apart. They were both in their 20s. Um, yeah. Do you think that that also played a part because you're looking at these two young men and two very different circumstances? Mm. Was there anything like that? Yeah, I mean, for me, um, you, you see, the thing is, I, I have now made it my mission to go around to schools and, and talk to young people about the dangers of online radicalization because I don't want other people to go or other people's children to go down the wrong way. Mm. Um, obviously, I am not going to go around blaming upbringing and all of that. That doesn't come into it for me. To me, it's really, um, as a greater society, we need to look at things. As far as Martin and him are concerned, they were totally, two totally different people with totally different outlooks on life. Martin was a very, very positive, fun-loving, life-loving person who enjoyed every single day and got the maximum out of each single moment in his life. You know, I don't know what went on in the other guy's head. I have no idea. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I don't know what it's like for you because Martin had such a digital life and so many mm-hmm. people loved him yeah. online and talked to him online and mm-hmm. and you were you know you're able to like look at photos of him and he's so happy and so charismatic. Yeah. Yeah. Um what does it mean to you to now have sort of that all that there <clears throat> to look at and to share? Is it are you able to? Is it something that that gives you comfort? Um yeah, so we have a friend of his gave me a framed photo of him um, that he took. 
I need to my lounge window and uh, every night I draw the curtains. It's, it's, I, I can barely look at it. It's painful. Mm. And occasionally I just hold the picture and, and have a cry. But on the other hand, three weeks after he died, I thought, right, you haven't cried yet. You're going to get some tissues. Like it was mega early, six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And I thought, right, everybody's still in bed. You're going to sit down now and have a good cry about him. So I took a box of tissues, made myself a cup of tea, got my iPod and decided to look at all his YouTube videos because there are dozens and dozens. And I couldn't cry. Instead of that, I spent an hour and a half laughing oh. like mad because there were so many funny videos. He was such a funny guy. He just um, enjoyed making people laugh. And um, I literally couldn't cry that day. I just laughed and laughed and laughed. And um, to me, um, that, that, that's what Martin was all about. He was just so fun-loving. You know, he... he um, and, and it's interesting, after his death, um, I, on my phone alone, got over 2,000 messages from mm. not just the UK, from people from all over the world who'd never met him, mm. um, but who'd followed him for years on YouTube and, and Twitter and stuff. So, and they were saying, oh, he's, he doesn't realize that, but he helped me this. And, um, uh, well, we never met, but he helped me come out to my parents. And mm. we never met, but he helped me deal with anorexia. He doesn't, you know, he, he made me realize what doctors couldn't do with me, but he managed to get me to think about my anorexia and I'm no longer anorexic. And stories like that I had again and again and again for months after he died. And so his digital footprint is massive, but it has so much positivity uh, mm -hmm. for so many people out there. So, you know, it's um, comforting. I have to imagine the pride you must feel for what he did in his short life, that he was able to reach that many people. I mean, it must be unbelievable to take in. Yeah, of course I'm proud. I mean, I'd rather have him here, but I can't. I can't mm. turn the clock back. Um, if I could, I would say to him, don't you go to that concert, mate. Stay here with me. Mm. But obviously I didn't know and I can't do that. But uh, yeah, of course, I'm really pleased that um, he's managed to to give comfort and encouragement to so many people, which we didn't realize until after he died. But it's, it's a comforting thought, definitely. Yeah. I mean, the, obviously the event, you're doing something pretty incredible in terms of learning everything you can about the origins of why these things happen and why people mm -hmm. make these choices mm -hmm. and how they're, how they're yeah. radicalized. But do you think, yeah. you know, obviously the event itself really was, it's probably one of the biggest things that's happened in England in recent history. Mm. And, do you think enough changes or enough things are in place now in terms of how it was handled and going forward? Or is it still something you'd like well, to see us work on? You know, I'm I'm not the government. I'm not a politician. Mm. I'm just Martin's mum. But I, I do absolutely firmly believe that young people are the, the ones we need, to, we need to really address, mm. which is why I'm going to school. I'm thinking there was one person who did that attack. And look at the devastation he caused. So if I can just, in all my talks to children, just catch that one child that's on the cusp of being radicalized and they change their mind after listening, yeah. then that's been worthwhile. If it takes me 10 years, I don't care. Um, I just feel that young people are the ones that are able maybe to get to set the world in the right direction after all. Um, given the right messages, obviously, you know, I think 
if you look at climate change, what that young lady um, from Scandinavia has yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking, yeah, young people are, there's definitely an awakening in some young people. We need to nurture that, we need to encourage it. And at the end of the day, young people are the adults of the future. Mm. And how their mind is shaped now will determine the kind of adult they become. Could not agree more. Um, on yeah. the radicalization, I don't know how far you've come in your studies and if you can answer this question. If you can't, feel free not to. But what do the early stages of someone being radicalized online look like? How does it usually start? Um, I think it starts with maybe distancing yourself a little bit. Um, if it's religious radicalization, more, getting more religious. Mm. Um, being a little bit less friendly with the usual crowd, having a new crowd of people around them. Um, it's, it's those kinds of things, really. Behavior changes, I would say. Mm. Um you know, so as a as a parent, you need to be maybe really mindful of what your child is doing in their bedroom and what they are actually um, doing. Because, you know, when I go around to schools and say maybe 100 children I talk to, if I ask the question, okay, how many of you are, are playing online games? Most hands come up, mm. which is fair enough. That's what young people do tend to do these days. And then I say, and how many of you have come across material online that you would deem as radicalized and in a group of 100 children usually between 40 and 60 hands come up which is quite shockingly high Um, and I say to them you need to be really careful what you watch and who you uh, in inverted commas play games with uh, because often people pretend to be your age and then they'll try and find out information about your personal life and befriend you and then eventually they'll they'll try and get you into a private chat room, and then it starts, you know, where they radicalise you. So I'm I'm trying to warn the children, but you know, our parents really need to think about okay, what games are my children actually playing online, and and maybe look into it a little bit more sometimes. And I hope the parents listening will take everything you just said there and really think about it because sometimes it's the fear of the unknown and not wanting to and also feeling yeah. so disconnected from a generationally you know like obviously mm-hmm. it, it, parents didn't play video games it wasn't part of our yeah. upbringing and certainly yeah. not online games where other people could access you yeah. so it feels yeah. almost like an isolating thing and kind of leave kids to it but as parents we have to do more yeah. Absolutely. And, and you know, parents need to remember that actually online radicalization is uh, just as dangerous and very similar to um, online grooming for sexual abuse, you know, mm-hmm. sexual grooming. They're, they use the same tactics, really. So, you know, yeah. if you care about sexual grooming online for your children, you need to care about radicalization online as well, because it's life. It's definitely happening. You know, I was talking about how proud you are of Martin. I can't imagine how proud he would be of you for having the courage and the the desire to look into this further and not go a different direction with, with anger and trying to learn more about how we can prevent these things from happening in the future. Um, thank you so much for joining us. I feel like I learned a lot thank just from you. chatting with you. And um, thanks for talking to us all about Martin. Thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.